This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Fine, a very good afternoon to you. It's uh, wonderful to be back in your company. Unfortunately, hadn't been here, haven't been here for the past couple of weeks. Uh, we'll talk about that in a moment, but um, great to be back with you. Good um, afternoon to you and welcome to Judaism 101.9. Yes, uh, sadly, I was uh, away for a couple of weeks due to the loss of my uh, late mom. Passed away a couple of weeks ago on Shabbos afternoon. And um, yes, um, perhaps today, if you'll allow me, just wanted to chat with you a little bit about some of the things that one notices. You know, it's not um, that often, I guess, that a, um, a rabbi gets to see the perspective from... Uh, the other side, you're very often involved in shiva houses, in uh, visiting people who are sitting shiva and doing the prayers and so on from the side of the rabbi, the official, the visitor coming into the home. And um, I think that uh, one gains quite a lot of insight into the wisdom and into the actual teachings of the laws of mourning um, from a completely different perspective when unfortunately one has to sit shiva um, as we did a couple of weeks ago. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, um, to start off, I just want to put a, a precursor to this. Um, this is not about me and this is not a, a mournful um, kind of a show. We're talking about the month of Adar. We are in the first month of Adar and it says, Mishenichmas Adar Marbim Basimcha. We have to increase in joy, we have to increase in happiness, and therefore this is not meant in any way to bring a downer, but on the contrary, perhaps to think about how we can um, take a look at things like mourning and sadness and so on, and see how we can provide that element of joy, that element of upliftment, and that ele- element of positivity within the darkness, within the sadness, and within the mournfulness, um, because truly that has to be the bottom line of what all our laws of mourning and of sadness and so on are truly all about. It's about uh, the realization, number one, that um, the soul continues, realization that it is only the body that has died, it's only the body that has passed away, but the soul continues, the neshama continues, and the celebration, therefore, of uh, the elevation of that soul from uh, strength to strength, from height to height in the upper worlds is uh, really something that we need to focus on. And it's not always um, that easy, and it's clearly something that uh, Jewish law saw that um, people could not cope with by themselves. And therefore, there is the instruction I think that um, people should visit, that people should come to comfort. There is a need at a time of sadness, at a time of loss. There is a need of support. And so the first thing that one notices and that one sees is how powerful that support and that um, uh, shoulder to lean on and that uh, kind face that just walks in through the door, how much that actually means to the mourner. We underestimate um, the value of all of these things. Now, yes, um, it is um, sad, and yes, there is not an easy way of uh, looking at all of these things, um, but there is certainly the positivity and the positive dimension to um, the sitting of Shiva, uh, to the ideas of mourning that we have as Jews, 
and there is the positive learning that we can actually take away from it all. And therefore, if you'll allow me um, to be a little bit personal today and to think about what I've just been through, and uh, yes, as I, again, this is not a show about me, and it's not about um, personal experience, and it's not about uh, my recent events, and that's all that we're going to talk about, but rather to try, while it's fresh in my mind, um, to reflect on some of the things that were noticeable and that made a huge difference. Um, perhaps we'll touch on one or two of the negatives, but a couple of things or a number of things that made a huge difference um, to us as we sat Shiva, as we were sitting Shiva uh, for the loss of our mother. Now, let's begin by saying that um, this was an unusual experience even for me having lost my father um, some 28 years ago because um, everything was completely, absolutely different. My father was um, young and passed away uh, 28 years ago and passed away very suddenly. And also, in addition to that, his um, passing was a couple of days, a few days before Rosh Hashanah. And therefore, our shiva was cut literally uh, to nothing. Uh, we sat shiva for a few hours, literally, rather than a number of days. It was... Um, short, it was shocking, and the person that we were mourning had passed away too young, and it had been very, very sudden. Everything with um, my mother's passing was completely different. My mother lived to be 91. She was uh, going on to be 92 years old. Um, she had been in good health right up until just a few months uh, before the um, eventual passing. Um, she was um, with it and with us um, and still talking right up until the very end. It was um, something quite incredible. In addition to that, she passed away on a Shabbos, and she passed away on a Shabbos uh, preceding a week in which there were no Chagim, there was no Yom Tif, and therefore we kind of had the longest that one could sit Shiva for in one straight session. There wasn't a Shabbos intervening um, at all because it went from Sunday through till the following Shabbat or till Friday when we actually sat Shiva. And therefore, the experience of it was completely different. Older person, not so shocking, long Shiva, a lot of time to sit and to reflect and a lot of time to sit and um, have the opportunity to see the chesed, the kindness, and um, the incredible help, the incredible assistance that visiting with someone who is sitting shiva actually does um, for them. So um, a few points. Number one is that um, we see the value, of course, of um, halacha telling us, of Jewish law telling us, that one should not initiate a conversation with the mourners. If I were to um, kind of put a peg in and post um, the most common thing that people said to me in the week that we were sitting Shiva, it was, let's begin by asking, well, they didn't say that, but they just said, how old was your mother? And um, while it's a valid question and while it engages one in a bit of a conversation, gives you an opportunity to think about the person and refocus, I guess, again, um, it actually, to me sitting there, um, when I thought about it, it actually made very little difference to me um, how old my mother was. Um, my father had, as I said, passed away young, or relatively young, only 64, my mother at 91, and the feeling of emptiness was exactly the same. 
although the one had been short and tragic and young, um, the other older, etc., made no difference. On the contrary, uh, one could find room to say that um, with an older person, with someone who passed away at the older age of 91, that um, you miss her even more because you'd had more time to be with her because you'd seen her as uh, the only parent or the only uh, surviving parent and therefore usurping the role of um, complete parent and grandparent or grandparents and parents uh, rather than just in the singular, and therefore the missing, the longing, the emptiness perhaps was even greater. And so therefore point number one is uh, don't engage in conversation unless the mourner themselves engages with you while it sometimes helps to break the ice a little and get gets one involved. Um, sometimes the simple question of the age, um, and I'm not trying to nitpick here, but it's uh, the clever clever words of our sages that uh, they taught us don't bring up a conversation, even that, even asking someone's age can be uh, misconstrued, it can be taken askance and incorrectly by the mourners themselves. I'll be back with you right after this. This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Continuing with uh, where we left off just before the break, we were talking about, um, unfortunately, sitting shiva, which is an experience that I had over the past couple of weeks, unfortunately, and um, the various things that one notices in the wisdom of um, the concept of the idea of sitting shiva and how one actually can bring light into darkness, how one can see um, turnaround, how one can see the positive elements and the positive dimension of uh, something as harsh, as difficult, as sad as sitting Shiva. So um, in sitting Shiva and having people come to visit, um, I think that the most incredible, incredible um, feeling of um, uh, comfort is uh, the first thing that one actually does feel. The comfort of um, people who have uh, taken the time, who have cared enough, who have um, just come to show their faces and to be there for you is uh, something very, very, very comforting. It is very uplifting. It is um, very um, important, and it is something that um, I don't believe that people just walking in in there and having um, not, God forbid, ever experienced it themselves will ever really understand what it is that they actually do, what it is that you actually do for somebody when you walk in to comfort them, when you walk in to a shiva house. Um, the mere sight of your face, uh, the mere sight of an individual who has come um, to comfort you is um, incredibly, incredibly powerful. It is um, so meaningful. It is so special. It is so uh, nice. It is so kind. It's so caring. That in itself is um, incredibly, incredibly important. And in addition to that, um, people who have cared enough to come back more than once or um, come back or arrive there with something, with anything um, for the mourners to eat, to drink, to uh, just make their lives just a little bit easier. Each and every one of those interactions and each and every one of those visits is something that is um, so powerful and so kind and so good that it was um, something quite amazing to be able to sit there and say, if the passing of my mother um, enabled 
so much chesed to be done just for us in one week, how much more so was um, her life more worthwhile and how much more so was everything that she did and that she stood for. And there was a lot. There was a tremendous amount. But this is not the focus of what I would like to talk about today. But um, the a part that one plays, therefore, in adding, in a way, to the merits of the individual who has passed on by being there, by being able to show kindness in their merit, by being able to show kindness to their families and to their children, is something that I wonder if people ever really take into account or think about, um, because it is certainly the way that I felt, that we felt, uh, being there on that receiving end, is that our mother's passing had brought about so much chesed, had brought about so much kindness. And yes, of course, this wasn't... Um, anything of uh, uh, a national tragedy. This wasn't anything of um, out of the ordinary or um, unusually significant or important. Um, it was something that really, really cut to the chase and went to the core of uh, the incredible chesed, the incredible kindness and goodness that pervades um, this South African Jewish community right here in Johannesburg and, of course, uh, by extension, since um, my parents and I had lived for, uh, all of us had lived for many years in Pretoria, so it coupled together the kindness of Pretoria and the kindness of Johannesburg, um, the entire region, and it was um, something really, really fantastic to behold, something uh, quite awe-inspiring. Um, when we think of um, the blessings that we have in South Africa, the th blessings that we have in this community, um, I think top of the um, list has to be the kindness of this community. It is a an incredibly kind community. If you've ever wondered why it is that uh, there are so many uh, people who come as emissaries of uh, overseas organizations of yeshivot and the like from Israel and around the world um, to South Africa where uh, we are a small community, where we are a community that's certainly not that strong in numbers anymore and therefore by um, inference, of course, and not that um, well endowed from a financial point of view, this is known as a community of kindness. This is a community where people give. This is a community where people do for each other. And um, my sisters and I come from or are part of various different communities here in Johannesburg. Um, and one sister, of course, coming from Israel. But um, the widespread similar kindness that one felt from all these communities, the attitude of what can we do to help you and uh, to be there for you and so on, was something that uh, really was across the board. It was something that was quite beautiful to behold, and um, it had... Uh, not that much to do with, um, I think, um, levels of religiosity or lack thereof. It was literally across the board from the most religious to the most irreligious, from the, um, the men, the women, the children. Every, it was something very, very special and something very, very beautiful to see the incredible kindness the incredible chesed that um, our community is infused with, is filled with, and that kind of overflowed, and we were able um, to be on the receiving end of that kindness um, over this difficult period of time. A couple of other things to uh, note and to think about when um, coming into the house of mourning and so on. 
Um, there is, I think, a sense that uh, people have in South Africa in general um, that you haven't really visited a house of mourning unless you've been to prayers. Now, um, kind of got itself a bit of a bad name, I guess. Uh, the concept of prayers became synonymous with the visitation into a house of mourning. I think that um, it is possibly uniquely South African, but it may be something that is all over the world, that kind of you haven't really been to the house of mourning unless you've been to prayers. I'd like to burst that bubble a little bit and let you think or invite you to think a little bit about the fact that um, prayers is... um, Shachris, Mincha, and Mayriv. And the reason why we have Shachris, Mincha, and Mayriv in the morning prayer, the afternoon prayer, and the evening prayer um, held in the house of mourning is possibly and probably twofold. Number one, that it enables the mourner who needs to say Kaddish not to have to go out and look for a minion, not to have to leave the house of mourning at all. So we bring the minion to him so that he or they can actually say Kaddish, can be part of that minion, don't have to go out to look for that. So it's partially focused on the mourner. But in addition to that, we believe that it is a the place where um, the soul of the departed has the strongest connection, and therefore we want to pray in that place and say the prayers there kind of together with them. Um, but there is so much more to the sitting of Shiva and to the period of mourning than just the prayer services. And in fact, at the time of the prayer services, there's very often a number of people who come, and yes, this may well be in people's minds that um, if one goes to prayers, if one is just at the house of mourning for the uh, the prayer services, which a are possibly at the most convenient times for people. You don't have to break away from work. You and anything else that you're doing, it's either early in the morning or um, most preferred uh, late afternoon when you're on your ho- way home from work and there's not that much interference um, from a, um, a, a financial or a social or a or a uh, an economic point of view. There is the additional advantage of going to prayers where there are a number of people, and that is that you actually don't have to say too much and you don't have to be too involved. You can come, show your face, and of course it's appreciated. You can just be there in that brief moment and wish the mourners long life and then move on. But um, certainly in the sitting of Shiva, the... um, the idea of people coming and spending a little bit of time with you, and it doesn't have to be long, but just a little bit of time where they've taken the trouble to spend a meaningful few minutes um, or <coughs> 20 minutes or half an hour or whatever just sitting and comforting you, talking to you, is possibly and probably even more important for the mourners. I'm not necessarily saying that it's a must-do, but it's something to consider that one can and uh, one possibly should spend some time visiting a house of mourning, not just for the prayers. The prayers, the minion, and so on are important, and but there are maybe so many other people who will take care of that and enable the mourner to say Kaddish. But perhaps it is at least of equal importance uh, to be there at some time uh, during the day. Now, in addition to that, one also needs to bear in mind, as we mentioned right at the outset, the idea of engaging the mourners in conversation um, and uh, talking to them and asking even how old or what did the person pass away from and where they sick and so on. Um, while those are kind of the run-of-the-mill um, questions that everybody seems to ask, um, <clears throat> sometimes they are very repetitive. You have to remember that everybody else has possibly asked the same question. And therefore the advice from our sages is to remain silent, allow the mourners 
corner to engage with you um, allow them to uh, raise the conversation allow them to talk allow them to uh, broach the subject it uh, enables them to um, talk about what's on their mind it enables them to grieve and to be comforted in the way that uh, you can just by being there or just by um, offering a little bit of a shoulder to cry and perhaps a little bit of advice it is certainly not a time and uh, one notices this of course Again, when one is sitting shiva, it's not a time to engage in other conversation. It's not a time unless the mourner, of course, would like to, unless the mourner invites it. But um, there were and there are several people who visit the house in the morning and they talk about their own experience. They do not allow and they have not allowed or they haven't or they don't allow the mourner themselves to um, uh, even ask a question or to say anything or to um, share with them what is on their hearts and on their minds because um, this um, person who has come um, on the pretext of coming there to uh, comfort the mourner is uh, spending an inordinate amount of time talking about their own experience and talking about their own loss and talking about their own sadness and so on. And um, surely that's not uh, the right framework and the right environment and the right time. Um, I guess that most people really don't know what is correct and what to say and it is you're put on the spot and it's an uncomfortable environment it is certainly an uncomfortable environment not just for the people who are sitting shiva sitting in mourning but walking into a house of mourning for most people is very uncomfortable and the silence is sometimes uncomfortable and the lack of knowing what to say is uncomfortable and possibly and probably the most often said thing in a house of mourning is i don't know what to say and that is Quite correct. You don't know what to say, and therefore advice from Torah is say nothing. Rather say nothing. Rather just be there. And that in itself is, I can tell you firsthand from having gone through it over the last couple of weeks, is incredibly, incredibly comforting. Just the fact that you are there. So visiting a house in the morning, put your face in. Put your face in. Just be there. Um, just walk in. You don't have to say anything. <clears throat> you don't even have to say, I wish you a long life. You don't even have to say, I'm so sad. I'm so sorry. Um, one needs say nothing just by being there. Um, it's incredibly supportive and incredibly good for you. And it's certainly incredibly good for the mourners that you're comforting. Be back with you right after this. <music> This is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elovo. Hi and welcome back. Yes, uh, unfortunately talking about the laws of Shiva and the rules and the things perhaps from a very personal point of view of um, what one notices that is good to do and what one notices that is not that good to do um, when visiting, when attending a house of mourning. Having said what I said before, the fact that there is this incredible, incredible outpouring of chesed, of kindness, um, it is an opportunity to um, show kindness. In fact, the idea of visiting a house of mourning is uh, lauded by our sages as being one of the highest forms of chesed that one can actually do. It takes precedence over, uh, for instance, attending a wedding and so on. Um, but um, we need to remember that there is a job to do and there's a role to play and there is an attitude that one has to have at that space and in that time in order to be able to bring about that kindness and bring about that chesed. Don't steal the uh, house of mourning from the mourners. Don't take it away from them. Don't um, engage in conversation that one shouldn't. Um, be involved um, with them. Show them simply um, your 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 face. Be there for them. Um, just walk into the room. There is nothing 
more comforting for a mourner um, actually than that. Um, it is a difficult time. It's a time of difficulty for everybody. And um, you're not 100% sure exactly what it is that the mourner is feeling or that the mourner is going through or that they're thinking at that particular time. Of course, everybody's experience is absolutely different. And uh, therefore, the best advice is just to remain silent. And by coming in to that environment, you're providing uh, the most incredible, incredible uh, support and the most incredible um, uh, chesed, kindness, that you um, are actually displaying, you're showing to uh, the mourners. So it is really a um, a point of um, uh, thanks that I would like to extend um, to uh, the general community. We have um, been beneficiaries of uh, the most incredible um, goodness, the most incredible kindness um, from so many quarters. It was um, something, I guess, that um, uh, people do see uh, during the time of mourning. You know, there are different customs uh, when it pertains to um, the uh, eating or drinking of food in a house of mourning. Uh, there is a bit of a misconception, I think, that people have that the food in a house of mourning is kind of tainted, that one may not eat or drink anything in a house of mourning. Um, this is um, actually incorrect. Um, there are those who say one should not eat in a house of mourning simply because you're taking away from the mourners. The mourners cannot go out and uh, replenish their stocks. They can't go out and get more. They're housebound. They're not allowed to go out shopping, etc. And if somebody has just brought them for argument's sake, a, a cake or a piece of fish and whatever, and you happen to help yourself to it, well, um, you may have been taking away the meal from the mourner. Um, in our experience, um, fortunately or unfortunately, that was not uh, the case at all because um, there was an oversupply and people were overkind and people were over generous. And in fact, um, at the end of each day, uh, we had to make a plan of how we were going to um, perhaps give some of the food away to charity and uh, to those who didn't have, etc. Um, that all happens, I guess, uh, very often here in Johannesburg because of the kindness, because of the goodness of our community. But uh, there is nothing wrong with actually taking something. In fact, there is an opinion held by many that it is a big blessing to uh, eat and drink something in the house of mourning and make brachot, say blessings over the food or the drink that you have there. And in that way, you are bringing blessings into the home. You're bringing blessings into the house. <coughs> This is the preferred uh, spiritual kind of an approach that um, you're adding to the bracha. And certainly by people coming in, taking something to eat or drink, um, they are not in any way diminishing from the foodstuffs of um, a, a Johannesburg home. Um, but in fact, they could be just adding to the blessings in the home. Of course, we do not engage in uh, party kind of uh, behavior, party chatter, um, saying l'chaims or uh, um, eating and drinking together with the mourners in any way. Um, uh, that could be and should all be done aside from uh, the mourners they shouldn't participate um, but this is part of the behaviors within the house of mourning this is Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz of Elova. Hi, uh, and welcome back yes uh, good to be with you once again on uh, high FM on my Judaism 101.9 show I've uh, been talking today a little bit about the laws of mourning, having unfortunately just uh, been involved in it and rather looking at it from the 
perspective of not what one has to do as a mourner, but rather what one um, should be doing. And what I have learned is um, so beautiful and so good and so comforting and so positive from uh, the people who came to uh, comfort us at the time that we were sitting shiva, at the time that we were in mourning, um, and how positive those interactions actually are, where people are really, really interested. And when people come and say beautiful things about the person that you're mourning, uh, we heard several common themes. It was fascinating, actually, to sit there and hear so many people from different walks of life to talk about our mother in uh, the way that she had um, helped them, uh, the way that she had instructed them, the way that she had taught them, the way that she had behaved towards them, the interest that she had shown. And perhaps the most um, important of them all was the fact that um came through as a theme, which one doesn't often, I guess, hear about people, but um, the fact that um, she not only showed an interest in people, but that she was always engaged when you spoke to her. Um, she wasn't looking over your shoulder to see if there was somebody else there. She wasn't distracted by um, a cell phone or an email or something else that she had to be involved in. But perhaps one of the attributes that came through strongest for me during this time was hearing from people about how she engaged with them and when she spoke to them, no matter who they were and no matter where they were, how um, people felt that they were the most important thing in her life at that particular moment. It's an art, and it's something perhaps um, as uh, we uh, part company now for um, the uh, for another week, and perhaps next week to speak about something a little bit more upbeat and a little bit more um, uh, positive, if you wish. Uh, to think about um, the fact that if we wish to emulate and imitate a good example from someone who recently passed on my late mother, um, perhaps that is one attribute that we could all work on, self-included. Um, the fact that when people are talking to us, let's engage. When, we're, when they're with you, they're the most important things in your life. It is an art, and it's something that uh, we don't always do that well. There are so many distractions. There are so many things uh, that we feel, that we think are more important. We're literally all over the place, or as they talk about it today, that we're all a little bit ADD, and uh, we have these uh, attention deficits. Um, and disorders of uh, an own and an unknown kind where we are literally um, unengaged and therefore it appears as being uninterested or disinterested um, or uh, kind of couldn't care less or sort of turning around and moving on in a different direction at all times. This is something that we really need to take to heart and we need to engage. And perhaps it is uh, the final word for today, and that is, that when one um, is uh, doing your chesed and when you're involved in your kindness, think as well about engaging, about being there, about um, being involved, about um, bringing a kind and a nice message about the individual who is uh, being mourned, who is being thought about. It makes a huge, huge difference. It uplifts it um, invigorates, and it certainly takes darkness and turns it into light. And hopefully we can do that in our own lives, um, and particularly now in this month of Adar, where the instruction is to increase in happiness and a double dose of happiness for the two months of Adar. And hopefully we can infuse that kind of positive energy, that kind of light into this otherwise pretty dark and dull uh, sort of a world. And hopefully in that way we too can realize uh, the real 
real role and goal of each and every Jew, which is to create light, to be a light not only unto the nations, but a light unto ourselves, and in so doing, to elevate, to lift, um, to pick up this world. I hope um, to be back with you again, same time, same place, next week um, on Judaism 101.9. Look forward to being with you then. I want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbat up ahead. See you again next time.